You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, and as always, from the LBK, joined uh, not from the LBK by my main man, Matt Clare, from... Houston, which is not in as rough a shape as it was this time last week, so uh, so I guess that's good, right, man? Yeah, I, my my whole I'm from Dallas, and my whole family's been in, we've been in touch, uh, but it's it looks, now. looking looking nasty up there now. So hopefully we'll we'll get to this nice weather in the summertime. But yeah, I don't know. I hope everybody's up uh, okay up there. Yeah, me too, dude. I was watching the uh, the Rangers game, and it was it was a blowout, but. They were even talking about at the end of it, they had cleared out the entire upper deck, and they were talking about shortening the game if it didn't end. It was already in the ninth, but I know they were talking about ending it if they had to, and and all that. So so yeah, it sounds like it's gonna get pretty crazy. So uh, all you little listeners out there in DFW, you know, y'all hold it down and uh, everybody be safe. So uh, so yeah, I guess you know, first off, man, you know, jumping just kind of right into things this week. Uh, got kind of a lot going on with recruiting just kind of all over the place and it's that time of year you know first uh last week of april first week of may is when things really really start heating up and uh you know that's kind of what we wanted to get into first was was just a couple of these offers that have gone out over the last week because there have been a big number go out since we last had a podcast so haven't had a chance to talk about a lot of these guys so we just kind of have a list out, and we're just going to kind of run these guys down. But but before we even do that, man, I think uh, when you look at the offers, I mean, the only real offers that are going out for the most part are offensive linemen and uh, defensive guys, especially DBs and that kind of thing. So I think you're seeing kind of what you thought you would whenever the period opened up, you know? I believe so. I mean, uh, you know, that this, <laughs> I think that's why uh, – it makes it so hard to wait is that, you know, when you're, you're in the thick of it here during this open contact period, the coaches have been out, uh, now what a total of seven days and Uh, you've already seen, what do we count earlier? 10 or 11 new offers? I think total it's 11 overall since last Monday. So, I mean, more than one a day at this point. And the majority of those, I would say at least eight or nine are on the defensive side of the ball or, or they're just a a three to four offensive linemen on that list. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we can jump into those if you want, but again, I think everybody's just excited that that the offers are out there and there's some things to, you can kind of sort of see some, some directions at various positions. Right. And, and before I get into the, the 2017 guys, just real quickly kind of wanted to mention both these 2018 guys that got offers and, when you see guys for, for the next class get offered this time of year, those are kind of the, the top targets for your coaching staff, and those are the obvious guys that are going to blow up down the road. So uh, those two guys would first be Saxe, 2018 wide receiver Drew Jackson. And just real quickly on him, you know, he's a guy that's visited Lubbock, and his dad lives in Lubbock, I believe. So uh, he's very familiar with what's going on, and I think that one was one you were just kind of waiting for it to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, you were waiting for it to happen, and – you know, it's just, uh, I mean, it's one of those where, 
the coaches have been in touch with him for a while and, and, uh, you know, it's just somebody they wanted to pull the trigger on. Yep. Yep. Easy enough. And, uh, did you talk to him or did Drew talk to him, uh, this last week? Might have been Drew. Okay, it was Drew. I think it was Drew. Uh, but but yeah, I, with 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 Drew Jackson, he's a guy that's super familiar with the program and knows what's going on. So uh, nothing really new there, other than the offer, which I know he was excited about. So uh, well, like, it was his first scholarship first, offer. I mean, so first you know, offer, you, so that's a big deal. you jump out there, and I think the background. And I apologize. I, I don't know why I said that. I did talk to him, uh, but like you said, there's nothing really new to to report there. He got a second offer from Iowa today. So things are starting to progress there. You've seen a lot of good talent come out of that Saxe program. So, you know, that's somebody also with a tie to the city of Lubbock. His father lives in Lubbock. And so he's actually been more than a handful of times. So uh, anyway, they, they jumped out in front. And like you said, when when you do that with an underclassman prospect like that, uh, that, that means, you know, you think a lot about them as a, a football player. Yep, yep. And then jumping to the other kid is Houston Reagan, 2018 corner, Jalen Green. And he's a kid from your neck of the woods, so I'll just kind of let – I don't know how much you know about him, Matt, but if you do, I guess I'll just kind of let you talk on it. No, I do not know a whole lot, but I know his coach you know, kept telling me, hey, I've got a couple guys here that are 2018. Right, They're right, going right. to start getting offers. So um, you know, when I have the opportunity, I'm going to start getting back out to some spring practices and uh, do some more around here in the city of Houston. So we might start learning more about guys like that. But, um, again, he's a, a Texas team elite athlete and – um, for those not familiar, I mean, that's more of your select seven on seven type of teams here in, in Houston, Dallas and, and throughout the state. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, not just any geek off the street will, uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, but I mean, again, another, uh, kind of a balanced approach, right? The coaches, uh, offer a cornerback prospect and, and he's interesting because you've seen this in some of their other offers, but this is actually his fourth early offer. I think Baylor had offered a, a week before, right. uh, but he plays quarterback, he plays wide receiver, and he plays cornerback uh, for the team. And so he's constantly on the field. He's always doing different things. So he's clearly got the athleticism, and a lot of schools have uh, already offered here pretty early. Yep, absolutely. And uh, now that we kind of got those two guys as – the younger guys out of the way, and I guess with, with Jalen, before I move on, the fact that he's already picked up all his offers means he's probably going to be a pretty big deal, you know? Well, sure. Being I that mean, young and already adding all those offers anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just what recruiting is now, though. And, and what, if, what I forgot is, you know, it's already we kind of fast forward so far ahead. And it's not like kids that age haven't been getting multiple offers you know, throughout the years, I get it. I mean, it happens, but now it's so commonplace that, you know, I'm talking to the kids and I forget, oh yeah, they can't talk to the coaches right now. Right. You because, know? because he mentioned that, that, uh, uh, that coach Scott was out there and saw him at practice and he just had to tell the coaches that, you know, that he wanted to offer and all those kind of things. Right. Well, but him. I think there's, I mean, they can't even, you know, DM do that kind of stuff. Like no, the, the that's, kid, I think the kid has to call them. Yeah, the, the kid, kid has to initiate the contact. contact. And, you know, right now, this time of year with spring ball and probably the other schools, you know, and all that, I'm sure either he's too young and his parents don't want him doing that or he's just not getting involved with that just yet. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, let's, let's kind of dive deeper into all of these 2017 offers since these are guys for this year and the guys that, that I think you pretty obviously can say that uh, – the coaches kind of had circled, you know, before going out, and the, that's kind of how this happens is the guy that they already have circled and kind of know a little bit about, they'll, they'll kind of offer. And we'll start off and just kind of stay at DB, and we'll talk about uh, a boy from your school, my man, from uh, old Flomo Marcus, 
your boy uh, right. Matt Hankins is a corner from uh, for, from Marcus and uh, is a kid that, that kind of fits the mold for Gibbs and them. Is a six foot kid, uh, physical kid that I think they like a lot and uh, had been talking to for a little bit before, if I remember correctly. So that was kind of an obvious one, and uh, he's a kid that I like his tape a lot, and I think that was one that was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, and we had just gotten to see him in, in Dallas, and I had talked yeah. to, at the Rivals camp, I had talked to him right before that. And, I mean, this is a kid with already 10, uh, almost 10, 10-plus 10 offers and interest from a lot of other programs, legitimate interest. And so um, I'll be interested to see how the, the next few weeks go for Mr. Hankins, but I believe the, the coaches are tentatively setting up or, or what we have heard uh, as the junior day right. or, or the rescheduling of the junior day to be May 14th. And I, this is another kid that will uh, most likely make it out for that date, and we'll talk about some of these others. But, um, you know, I'm I'm from the area. You know, anyone who's from Denton or northwest, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's just a lot of kids in Lubbock, and there's a lot of ties there. So not only does he have – you know, athletic interest, but he had mentioned that, you know, several of his friends are actually in Lubbock and, right, and right, that, right. you know, he's kind of familiar with uh, some of the people there. So that's got to be a plus. Absolutely. Absolutely does. And uh, before I get into more of these, that's kind of been an interesting thing to me too, is a lot of these early offers uh, from Gibbs and these guys has been for defensive backs specifically. So I think that says a lot about where, they're kind of projecting the future, especially for uh, when you look at the 2017-2018 seasons. I, I think mm-hmm. they're really trying to build up depth, especially at safety, because you've seen a ton of safety offers already when you think about uh, a guy like Devodrick Johnson and a couple other guys that picked up offers here this last week. Well, yeah, and we've talked about it before. I, I think that Gibbs preaches depth. He preaches you know, wanting to play uh guys in and out and and you know really keep up with these spreads scored as much as possible offenses in the big 12 and so uh you have to have that depth and and regardless of the young talent that's there you're always going to have attrition you're always going to have injuries and so you know gibbs has shown that you know not only will he identify a a late juco guy or or take a flyer on a kid with a, a good frame um, you know, who's athletic and, and, and kind of you know, turn him into something in the secondary. You, you guess, I guess for now, you, you, I go back to the old ads, just trust what he's doing there. But absolutely, I think it's depth and, and not even just 2018. I think 2017, you'll see that depth as well. Maybe right. very similar to that 2014 class. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think what, like what you said as far as, uh, as far as, you know, kind of the way he's recruiting DBs, that kind of, in my opinion, is kind of an NFL mentality kind of deal. Uh, kind of looking to his route, his his roots where you're kind of looking at all these kids that have a lot of raw tools. Even you look at the kids this year they took and uh, you look at Douglas Coleman, who's a guy that primarily played receiver, but they, you know, loved his defensive tape and he's an athlete. Uh, you look at a guy like Demarcus Fields, who is just a really well-built kid kind of a brick house of a kid at 6'1 you know 192 5 200 already and is you know a, a state track you know competitor you know, a guy that's going to compete for a state title in track and and then you have a guy like des smith who's a west texas kid that they love his attitude and his physicality and he's got a big frame and, and all those things so so i think that's been the thing to me is they're taking a lot of these kids or offering a lot of these kids that have uh, a lot of measurables where they're projecting for down the road and they feel like they can coach them up no doubt I mean, but that's why all these new important or offers are important because you might have to offer three, four of these DBs sure. to get one commit. 
Yeah, no, you know, you might absolutely have to do that. And I think that's just going to be part of it uh, for right now with your defensive recruiting where no, I'm not going to say you're, you're going to spray a bunch of offers out there, but I think you're going to have to offer more. Uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think you'll see a bunch more offers go out here over the next couple of weeks before the open period finishes up. So, uh, so yeah, I think, like I said, I think defensive back recruiting, that's kind of the, the emphasis right now. Uh, we'll move to the defensive line with a kid from uh, Carrollton Ranchview. Dio Oda Yingbo picked up an offer this week who is the brother of Dare, right? Is his older brother? Uh, that I did not know. Okay, I, I think I think that's right. Um, where is he? Uh, I can't remember where he ended up. He, I'm gonna have to look this up here in a second. Um, but Dio's a kid that uh, that Coach Patrick had been interested in for a couple months, and you know I think the communication had been in and out, but here lately he really picked up again, and uh, Coach Patrick stopped by there and, and offered him. So uh, he's another one of these kids that is six five two forty five. Uh, you know, has a good frame, and and the most interesting thing to me, and not just him as a prospect, but all these defensive line kids that, that Patrick's been talking to, the thing that they all say that really sticks out to him, as far as you know, him as a guy and him as a recruiter, is that he's very passionate and he's a pretty intense guy, and uh, I think he's preaching to them, you know, his background as you know what he's done as a coach, the guy he sent to the NFL uh, when he was at South Florida, and then. You, you just look at his playing career. He's obviously was a guy that was an All-American and is in the Hall of Fame at Miami as a defensive lineman. So I, I think a lot of these kids have, have really kind of uh, – their ears have perked up at, at that, just kind of like I thought – you kind of thought it would whenever he started really getting in to recruit these 2017 kids. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if it pays off. I know that I've talked to Dale about uh, his his couple of visits to Baylor, and, and we've talked about his recruitment. And I mean, there's a lot of schools in on this young man. So, um, it you know, what I've noticed with Coach Patrick is he might have already, you know, built a line of communication with some of these kids while still at UNT just because right. of that local element. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what ties he already has into some of these DFW programs above and beyond what an Emmett Jones and, and uh, uh, Eric Morris and some of these other coaches have been doing over the, the past few years, because um, I've just, that's what I've heard a lot from kids is I was already talking to him when he was at UNT. Right, right. And I think that's, that's the built in advantage you have too with him is he's a guy, I think, that knows about a lot of these 2017 and 2018 kids that a lot of people, other people may not know about because he was in Denton and he was in DFW. So the only other coaches that really are going to be there all the time and kind of know kind of what he knows, in my opinion, are the guys at SMU and TCU, wouldn't you agree? Like as far as kids under the radar and that kind of thing. Well, sure. I mean, the, the obvious advantage there is just being able to get in your car and uh, hop on I-35. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Uh, but quick note, Dio, I think his older brother is Dare, and, his, and Dare plays at Vanderbilt, and he was a freshman this last year, and he played at uh, at Cisterian Prep in Irving. So I don't know if they are brothers, but I mean, I would, I mean, I think there's a lot, I don't know exactly, but, but I would kind of expect that they are. So, so like I said, I've talked to Dale before and I've had other colleagues that have talked to him about, you know, other offers or interests. And so, uh, there is an element to higher education there that's going to play into his decision. And he was offered by, uh, Harvard the other day. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's just something to keep in mind, but it sounded like when I read the interview and, and noticed his quotes that it, that it, uh, that a visit, 
could be in the works. And so you never know. I mean, you just got to recruit and kind of try your hand at that and see what happens. You absolutely have to. Uh, next, let's go to uh, these two offensive line offers. And first, we'll go to Jared Hawker, who got offered last week. And I know that uh, Coach Hayes had been interested in him for a couple of weeks and had really kind of jumped in on him about a month ago. And uh, he's a guy that's a true offensive tackle and has been committed to Kansas since late January. He visited out there in December, but uh, a lot of interest really picking up on him. He visited. I don't know how his visit went last weekend, but he visited Kansas State last weekend, and he's visiting Oh really? <laughs> TCU this – well, no, I'm not thinking. Sorry, wrong one. I'm thinking of Brock Martin. Let me reverse that. I've got all these kids messed up. Nope, Jared hadn't visited. Sorry, I'll go ahead and uh, mark that off. So, my bad. No, no, no. <laughs> I thought you said – okay. I thought you said that Jared Hawker visited Kansas State, and he's committed to Kansas, so that's the only reason I noticed. Right, and, and I think – no, I got those kids mixed up just because it's – it's one of those things right now. Drew, you're fired. Yeah, Drew's fired. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Drew. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, sorry, I meant to say Will, but this is all Drew's fault. Right, it's Drew's fault. you got to blame Drew. But uh, but no, it wasn't Jared, but Jared did say that uh, he's very interested in, in tech and, and what they kind of have to offer and uh, kind of what's going on at tech. It's an in-state program, so I think tech could get a visit here, and I know he was one of the kids that has been talked to about – the junior day that they were planning on May 14th. And that's kind of when he said, you know, whenever they plan it, I'll go out there and take a trip. So uh, I know there's a couple of other schools interested too. I know Baylor and Oklahoma state and Oklahoma uh, are all kind of very interested. So he'll, it'll be interesting to me to see if he picks up a bunch of interest because while I think he likes Kansas, let's just be totally honest here. I think a Texas kid, if he gets an offer in state, probably isn't going to Kansas. Um, just my opinion. It's just kind of how it is right now. We'll see. Uh, but but obviously, Coach Beatty up there is is doing a really good job. I think here early on. But uh, other than Jared, the other kid that is committed to Kansas, that's also an offensive lineman, is Grant Pauly, and we're doing this on Tuesday night. And he got offered uh, earlier today, and Drew actually spoke with him, and I think we'll have an interview up later uh, with Grant. And based off what I kind of understood, Grant was very very excited about his offer from Tech as well. So. Uh, so two kids, you know, both are DFW kids that get offers, and uh, two kids I think that are true OTs as far as what they that they kind of project as. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's just kind of interesting how both were committed to KU, but even back when we started taking a closer look at the offensive line recruiting, we knew that they were going to be looking at tackle types, and as you right. searched – you know, tackles within the state of Texas, you know, you notice two, uh, 5.7, three stars with multiple offers that are committed to Kansas. And, you know, then there's, there, you know, there's nothing going on there. And that was, you know, about a month, two months ago. And now, you know, we find out, okay, well, you know, Hayes started some communication with those guys and, you know, now it's turned into an offer. And so, uh, maybe, maybe this was kind of the plan all along. And hopefully, you know, like you had mentioned, uh, the, the next kind of, the next, next shoe to drop is, you know, do you get them on campus and, you know, do you convince them to change their mind? So when I, when I look at Hawker's list and I look at Polly's list, Polly's actually, Polly and Hawker, just like you said, are both adding other interests. So you're going to have to recruit here and timing is going to be important. Um, because for example, if a uh, Baylor and AM offers Hawker, well, it might not be such a slam dunk if, if you because really go after him hard, you also, know? Also, I think Hawker's family all went to A&M, so there's a pretty big A&M tie there. Right, I remembered that. I think you, you, you right, wrote I, that yeah, one. Yep, I did. 
So anyway, but but again, Hayes is going after offensive tackles, and uh, and we'll see. I mean, he he had mentioned to the other kid that came in from Oregon, like you know, look, I'm going to take the first person that wants to be a part of my, you know, wants to be a part of my recruitment class, and so you're kind of seeing that shake out where he's just putting more irons in the fire. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we'll go ahead and move on to this last kid, and uh, I think he's a kid that you know quite a bit about. Uh, Matt, if I know right, and that's a uh, Brenham outside linebacker, uh, Marquez Bimish, who's committed to Houston right now, and uh, he's got a couple offers. You know, he's got Cal and a couple other uh, other ones other than than Tech. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly you know how he feels about Houston as far as his loyalty to them, but I guess Matt, just kind of what do you know about what's kind of going on with with him right now? Well, in terms of loyalty, I mean, I wouldn't call it that. I think he still feels very strongly about his Houston commitment. And, and that's kind of, it's the weird part, right? Is we're talking about Hawker and Polly and they're committed to KU. And right. now we're talking about Bimage committed to UH. I mean, it is what it is, right? It's kind I mean, of a there's perspective a, thing right now, but it's yeah. also the momentum of both the programs. Sure, there's a food chain here. I mean, you'll see later on in the year, um, and you'll have other tech commits, and you'll see, you know, schools coming after them. So, I mean, it's it's just recruiting. But yep. just wanted to point that out. But with Bimage, you know, I think, yes, it's fair to say when a new school offers, it's going to catch his attention. And the reason we had met was uh, I was – uh, I was covering his visit to A&M, uh, I guess, a few months back. And so that's when we had first talked. He really didn't mention much about tech. And then, uh, you know, of course, he's a guy once they get on the road that they offer. Uh, but good size. I mean, I, I think you you like what you see there. Um, and, and, and they're already going after these outside linebacker defensive end types. So uh, I think Bimage, I've seen him in person uh at at the camp i think he's already at 223 um i yep, think that's you know, is what he's at yeah you see kids get on uh, especially those outside linebacker defensive end types i mean consider lonzo gilmore that's came in at like what example he yeah was like, he was like 225 maybe maybe and now you know now he's kind of gotten up to 250 ish well, and so i think he tweeted out he was at like 265 the other day my man's been up there you know just eating cheeseburgers yeah. <laughs> Left and right. Uh, well, that's crazy. Well, anyway, that all that to say that uh, that's that's the type of kid I think he's going to turn into. And ultimately, you know, if an A and M were to offer, I think he would he would do that. But at this point in time, is that realistic? I'm not sure. Um, he did mention that he would like to visit, but again, at this point in time, you know, any kids from Houston, Brenham, and all that. You know, it, it, great to say, yeah, I'm going to go visit, but until, you know, we see it, you know, then that changes the game a little bit there. But but definitely a good offer, in my opinion. Right. And and I guess, you know, we, and what we've seen here the last uh, the last week or so with these coaches where they've been going is is here the last couple of days is when they've kind of really been able to kind of get down in Houston. And I know that uh, I believe Coach Foster and Coach Gibbs were the two coaches at uh, – at spring high school this is tuesday i believe they were both there uh and kind of moving around down there in houston so uh it'll be interesting to see kind of where things go as far as who they offer down there because you just got to realize that gibbs and spav being down there how many years they do they kind of know who all the kids are uh as far as the kids that are on their radar or not because i think they would be much more likely to pull the trigger on a kid in houston just because they were you know, in person and so familiar with a lot more of those prospects being down there. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, 
you know, yes and no. I mean, I think also, you know, that's, that's a continuous relationships thing. Even if some of these younger kids aren't, aren't kids they're familiar with, they still know that coach who might have gone here or this coach right. who's got the next, you know, thing. I mean, I think, you know, hell, I live in Pearland and then this kid, uh, Deboni, Deboni Renfro gets an offer oh, and then yep. you, you click on his profile and you're like, whoa, another 6'3, 200 pound guy. You know, so I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it's it, it's kind of the wild west out there right now. These guys are going to go and they're going to recruit, and you know they're going to find guys. So especially these six three, you know, corners and and whoever else they they've got offered. But uh, I think know, is uh, Alfred Brown is the JUCO corner they offered, right? Correct. And and he's a kid that I think is six two, six one too. So I mean, like you said, another kid with all that size as well. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's uh, now that we kind of say it out loud. I mean, if we go back to the beginning of the conversation, where it was at least eight or nine of the offers going to the defensive side of the ball, you'd have to say four or five of those are to defensive backs. So uh, pretty concerted effort there. Absolutely. Absolutely is. So uh, so that's it as far as uh, recruiting for football right now, unless uh, you got any other kind of closing thoughts you kind of want to share on just the recruiting in general right now, man. Uh, no, I'm good. I mean, right. I think it's progressing, and, and I like uh, I definitely like what I've seen. Yep, same here. Totally agree with that. And uh, staying in recruiting but moving over to the basketball side of things, interestingly enough, and, and, and I think the funny thing, Matt, uh, for me especially, is there was just over the last three or four years with, with Coach Smith, ever since they signed that big class with uh, all the guys that are sophomores right now, They'd really only been taking one or two guys a year, and really it had gotten very specific targeting-wise, where those are really the only kids on the radar for the most part. So basketball recruiting was very, very quiet for the last couple of years. So we really just didn't cover much of it, just to be honest. And, and it's just kind of a totally different beast than football where – you know, there can be, you know, 50, 60 offers out, whereas basketball, at the most, you're going to have like five, six offers out. So it's just kind of crazy thinking about the total uh, shift in philosophy on the two. But uh, but what I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, you know, Coach Beard is in here now and signed his first kid, which is uh, Seward County uh, shooting guard Naeem Stevenson and is a kid that I think, by all accounts of everyone I've talked to, is – a pretty elite prospect is a kid that Kansas was very interested in uh, before uh, Josh Jackson, who's the number one player in the country, signed with Kansas. And now he was kind of their backup plan and the guy that they really, really wanted if they didn't get Jackson. And I don't think that was a guarantee uh, by any means based off kind of what I know. So uh, you have that right there. And was a kid that uh, Oregon was really interested in, A&M was interested in, and NC State was interested in. So, uh, you know, a bunch of schools that are, you know, are, are really good at basketball, uh, right now, not not NC State as much, but is a traditional program, obviously. And uh, but Oregon and A and M, Oregon's a one seed, A and M's a three seed. So I mean, you beat out some programs to get this kid, and uh, I, I just think it's so impressive right off the bat that there's just so much going on with basketball recruiting with all these uh, JUCO kids and transfers and last second ads and and things like that right now with all this. Yeah, and it's I mean, with a new coach, it's kind of cool to see it all unfold. This is a kid that. If Chris Beard was still at uh, at his previous uh, stop there at, in Arkansas, he wouldn't be with that program. Nope. He would end up uh, Oregon or A and M, I think. Sure. And so now that that Coach Beard is in the Big Twelve and has a different platform, you know, it's kind of cool that he was able to turn that into a, a new player. And like you'd said, I mean, this is a JUCO All American, 
and you know say what you will about uh, JUCOs in football. You know, basketball is a little different it's because different. Yeah. Uh, you only have five people on the court at once. So if, if he can get out there and, and make his minutes count and, and have an impact on this team next season, then, you know, you look at, like you said, all these different offers. And, you know, Oregon, uh, Oregon was a, a way better team than Texas Tech this past year. So so was he, A&M. I mean, and, and, them, and, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he, he chose the, the Red Raiders over – over those and and so clearly coach beard and his guys are doing something right and uh there's just a lot more action kind of out there right now uh but you can you can hope to capitalize on on an already talented roster right no doubt no doubt and i think the thing with naeem is that it's a very good fit too it's not like he's just a really good player uh because he is he's a kid that can score 20 that scored 25 a game in junior college had seven games with more than 30 points this year and on top of that you know he was a almost a 40 percent three-point shooter was a 52 percent overall shooter uh can drive to the basket from the left and the right side with his left and right hands both uh really is pretty explosive around the rim so the thing that tech has needs to replace is the is just the offensive production of, of Todrick Gocher and and Devontae Williams with those two guys and what they kind of did at different points in the season. And I think that's the guy you get right now in that, and he's a guy that ran a motion offense at, at Seward, and Tech's going to do that under Chris Beard. So it was just a perfect fit and a marriage for, for right out of the gate. So so I think that was just a great get for them overall. And based off everything I've heard about him, a uh, really good kid. So uh, just, just very interesting to see. And like I said, Matt, the craziest thing is that – I think you start to wonder about uh, Tubby Smith and his and his staff overall as recruiters because I know Chris Beard is regarded as a very good recruiter, but it's just for for me it's just been wild seeing you go from basically kind of no recruiting info at all and there's just nothing really going on to this kid's hearing from Tech, this kid's hearing from Tech, this kid gets an offer because they offered you know two three kids last week. Uh, Jared Culver, who's a local kid in Lubbock, gets an offer. And, you know, right after Tech offers, you know, Baylor and several other schools get on him. I think Texas is about to offer, and he's trying to get back in on Trey Young, who is uh, Rayford Young's son, and, and that was one of the first stops he made was to go see him. So it's just been, I think, refreshing to see just such an emphasis on recruiting and, and him just really kind of dive in, uh, you know, kind of elbows deep right out of the gate, him and his social staff. Yeah, should have should have more updates soon. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely should do. So uh, just wanted to kind of do that with, with football and basketball as far as uh, what's going on. And then one thing really quick that we wanted to cover as well was uh, our interview last week with with Xavier Martin from, from from Drew who talked to him and just kind of what's going on with, with Xavier right now and where he's kind of at with things because I, I think he's had a really, really good spring b- between – uh, how he did at the QB Challenge for Rivals up in DFW, how he kind of did at the Elite 11 and really showed out there with, with kind of his uh, physical abilities. And now there's a couple of schools that are kind of sniffing around when you look at really the two big ones are, are Baylor and Houston. And I think the most interesting thing about all that is that that uh, Xavier really made a point of telling us that you know, he said, Tech, you know, was the first school to ever give me a true chance as a quarterback, and that means a lot to me, and I think loyalty means a lot to him. So I think this is another example. I know we talked a little bit of, about the, on the podcast last week of, you know, Cliff is just a guy that he knows what he's looking at in these quarterbacks, and he found him before anybody else knew about him. And you can also kind of help, you know, thank Mike Jinx for that, for kind of getting the in on the kid. But uh, 
But still, I think it paid off you getting out in front of everybody on him, and it looks like he may blow up here down here uh, here in the spring and in the summer, you know? Yeah, I mean, he. I do think that he's going to continue to receive attention, but, you know, that's what happens when you run in, in the low 4-4s uh, four on laser time 40 and uh, when, when recruiting services come out and say you're a – a top dual threat in the country and bump you to a four star. I mean, he's Someone getting else called him called him Travon Boykin. Like that's he. They called him a Travon Boykin clone, like from another service. So I think that's a pretty big, you know, pretty big praise. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I just go back and I think I've even told uh, you and a, a few others. I mean, I go back to my conversation with him and it sounds very similar to the comments that he made to Drew. Um, he went out of his way to say that that it meant a lot that Kingsbury and Morris you know, thought enough of him even before he played quarterback to offer him and, you know, believe in him in that role. So, I mean, I think that bond is there. And I think that you see that with coach Kingsbury, he, he sees what he wants and he goes after it and he's okay with it. I think you have to do that at the quarterback position. You can't offer, you know, I think he, once he gets to four or five offers, he understands that, you know, where he stands with a, a, a quarterback relationship wise, or if a guy right. wants to drag it out, I think he's of the, the preference that, you know, unless he's just in love with a kid that, that he'll wait it out, but it seems like he wants to get that commitment and, and work on the relationship and just continue to build it. So he's just done a great job of that so far, uh, since he's been at tech that I, I really just don't worry about anything with, uh, with Xavier, uh, just based on the conversations that I've had with him. Right, and, and I wouldn't worry about anything either, just because I think he is all in on tech, and I think he's he wants to recruit kids to tech, so he's not a kid that I don't think I would worry about, just because, like like we both have said, tech got in so early on him and where things are at, so, uh, so I think you feel great about things if you're tech with him right now. So uh, kind of moved through things kind of quick this week, but that was kind of just because there was just a lot of recruiting stuff we wanted to get to. Um, not necessarily going to talk much about baseball. We'll kind of see how they do this weekend against TCU and where that goes because uh, it's a big series. And I guess just real quick on that, Matt, it's just I think for me, and you watch a ton of baseball too, not necessarily tech right now just because it's kind of hard for you to watch them. Uh, just kind of where you're at, but I just think baseball is such kind of a finicky and funny game where you can have a bad weekend even if you're the best team uh, in the country and you can lose to somebody like Texas, especially a team that is always as talented as Texas even if they aren't having a good year, and, and that's just kind of how baseball goes, you know. That's the way baseball go. And that was exactly who I was quoting, so. <laughs> that's all I wanted to get to, but uh, but yeah, we'll see how they do against TCU this weekend and see if they can have a bounce back a series against the Horn Frogs. That will really determine a lot uh, as far as the Big Twelve race and where Tech kind of finishes. But so that's it for Tech news this week. And really, the only other thing we really wanted to get into was kind of some draft talk since the draft starts on Thursday night. And uh, for me, it's it's kind of like I don't really pay much attention to the mocks until you get into the last. Uh, the last week or two, because that's when everybody starts showing their cards, kind of. And you saw that this last week with the Rams trading up to the first spot and the Eagles trading up to the second spot, just kind of both out of nowhere. And uh, that's kind of the story right now is both those guys are going to take quarterbacks, and it's kind of whatever from there. You're right. I mean, and I guess initially there was a 
you know, who would go first and what are they going to do? And I think I remember the first day or so it was, it was, you know, Wentz was the guy and he was going to go number one. And now a lot of people are saying because golf is already on the West coast and the, the Rams are now in LA and blah, blah, blah. But I don't buy that just as, as a pig. I mean, they clearly either they're going to like one guy uh, more than the other. I mean, it's interesting when you've seen quarterbacks go one and two, you know, one of them's going to be a bit of a bust. Uh, so, uh, you know, one of these teams is really going to eat it. It's And it's crazy that I think you look back at uh, those 2011-2012 drafts, and I can't remember the exact guys that got drafted, but you looked at the first and, the first and second picks overall, and in the 2012, uh, the first overall was Andrew Luck, and I think the second overall, uh, who was it? Um I'll have to look it up, but it, it was somebody that I just said, oh, like it was a it was a definite blow as far as a quarterback. And then in the 2011 draft, Cam Newton went first, and then I believe Jake Locker went second, and that's a definite one where you just kind of sh- <laughs> that one. So it's like you don't really know what you're going to get, but I do think that these teams that are in the top spot, I think clearly know which one is better as far as the quarterback, because I think the top guy that's been going, I think you can even say whenever you look at the difference between Mariona and Jameis Winston, I think both of them have been solid at times, but I would say even though his team might be a little bit worse, that Mariota's probably been the better one of the two, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Um, I think Mariota's been the better of the two, and you know, time will tell on that, but it's just so hard with quarterbacks. Um, I, I just don't think that, you know, there's there's a – You've, you've got to kind of take your chance. And so, you know, these, these teams are doing what they've got to do. Uh, but, and again, that's going to be interesting, golf versus wins. But, yes, I, I've been more impressed with Mariota, and I think he's going to continue to grow uh, on the NFL level. Right, and just looking back, just because I can remember that 2012 draft, it was Andrew Luck and then Robert Griffin went second. So it's like it's like polar opposites you, man. In, in all these other – uh, all these other drafts from the guy that goes first and the guy that goes second. And when you look at Wentz, I think the thing that obviously worries you is that while North Dakota State is like the the program of, of FCS, he still hasn't played. And he never he didn't play, you know, for a, even a even a you, you know even a smaller team in Division One. He played at an FCS team and not an even an FBS team. So I think that's the biggest worry with him and. Uh, you just kind of wonder about that, and but at the same time, I don't love either of these guys as far as what I saw from them uh, in college and, and what I just kind of saw out of them. And the big question I think a lot of people have talked about, and I was something that I heard Danny Cannell say today, was that he just thought that it was really stupid trades for both the Rams and the Eagles because it just shows that you're desperate to get a guy because you don't think you have one and they kind of mortgage the future for these two guys and they just aren't a lot of they neither one of them is a guy that I think anybody really is like super in love with so I think there's just so much that teams do around draft time where they kind of make rash decisions because they feel like they have to when they don't necessarily have to you know uh, no I I mean I completely agree um it with but with the draft, I mean, that's that's what kind of scares me about some of these teams at the top of the draft. I mean, I think there's all different values to these picks, and, and they can, you know, mix and match and, and take their risks there. Uh, but in this draft itself, once you just 
think about those top there's two guys going in this draft. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be three through ten. Uh, I think you're going to look back in, I don't know, two, four years, and you're going to be like, wow, uh, you know, could have had that guy. Or, wow, you know, they took that guy and could have had this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean I'm mean, i looking at some of these mocks, and, and Tunsil's dropping all the way to the Ra- uh, Ravens at six. Which I'm is like, wild what? because that dude is – people think he's like a Pro Bowl, like top tackle moving forward. Exactly, and and that's just that's a that's an elite position at all levels of football, but especially in the NFL. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy that that guy was legitimately the number over number one overall consensus pick. Uh, what three weeks ago or Two right weeks before ago. that I trade? Mean, before the trades, he was the guy that everybody said it was a no brainer that the times were going to take him. Yeah. So, uh, I think the other things you look at. The thing that I think is going to determine what the Cowboys do is going to kind of depend upon, I don't know, I think it depends on what the Chargers do. Because I think if the Chargers take Jalen Ramsey, I think, I don't know, I I just think if if Jalen Ramsey is there at four, I think that's the guy you take. Because I think he is like Patrick Peterson type guy that is the next big thing at corner because... Even the even the Titans were talking about taking him at number one, and you don't take corners at number one unless they're like a for sure thing. So, uh, I, and I just love everything about him. So, I think depending on what the Chargers do there at three is kind of what you do with the Cowboys. But it, it, for me, it's not even a question of Joey Bosa because I don't think the Cowboys should draft Joey Bosa, especially shouldn't draft him as. And we already talked about you know react doing reactionary things in the draft where because DeMarcus Lawrence is suspended for four games, the dumbest thing you could do would be to draft Joey Bosa out of reaction for four games. You know, That would be the dumbest thing they could possibly do. So if I have that pick at four, I say you take Jalen Ramsey or you take Ezekiel Elliott, just because I think Ezekiel Elliott is the missing piece or a guy like that is the missing piece from the offense as far as getting it back on track to what it was in the 2014 season. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I just – it is scary, though, when you look at the, the defensive end situation, but you've seen Marinelli do uh, wonders with, with worse. And so I think that you you can't uh, you can't let that get in the way of taking what – you know, who you believe is the best player. You can't, and, and just from what I've heard, too, is I don't think a lot of people think that Bose is going to be any kind of a monster pass rusher at the next level. So – slotted there at four i just don't know if there's a guy you can take unless you decide to trade back and take another defensive end which if you did that i mean who's the guy you take you you know i mean there's not really this isn't a great defensive end draft as far as you know what this is i mean do you take a guy like draft way down and take a guy like uh shaq lawson or somebody like that yeah i mean that would be the only thing i would guess you probably would do if you if you traded that far down or uh, or I don't know. It, it, it's just it's just a thing where I think at four, it's just going to be so interesting to see what they actually do, because there's not a clear cut way for them to go about it because you just have so many needs right now as the Cowboys. No, you absolutely do, and and uh, I I think you know what what's crazy is I mean we you, we talk about the past week, the past two weeks. I mean, really over the past what two or three days, everything's been about. Oh well, Cowboys are going to take Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, it's like 
you know, then this that's right before the draft, and then you know maybe that's a smoke screen, and you're just trying to look at everything. And so, you know, I guess to me, um, the the interesting part is figuring out, okay, uh, you know, what's real and what's not, right. and then you know, at number three, that's where the draft starts to me. So, I mean, that I think you know, knowing that really, I don't think the Cowboys were ever going to take quarterback at four or wherever, right? Um, so knowing that neither of those guys were were a pick or considering that it that way, that takes away a dumb a then, dumb decision. <laughs> well, but it also like it also gives you like the number two overall pick if you think about it, you know, because oh, yeah, in my opinion, it, for sure. it, it it values the pick that much because if there's a team sitting there at twelve or twenty and you know they want to give you a bunch of picks for for that player. You know, you're in a great spot. So if that ends up happening and they do move to 12 or 13, I still think you can get a good player. And you know what I think would be, and 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 you can argue you're kind of you're kind of cheesing it too much if you think about this. But what what if the Cowboys did something like draft Jalen Ramsey, and then these teams from, you know, you look from 13, 14, 15, 16, you say, all right, you guys, we'll field calls if you want him, come get him. You know, and then you just trade into their spot and get a bunch of draft picks out of it, or you just trade down out of the spot because at this point for the Cowboys, I just think you need more picks than you do one or two or three quality players. You just need a bunch of picks to try to fix a bunch of stuff on defense and find a running back. Agreed. Um, but, and something that I, I heard uh, Level and Dickens on Tech Talk talk about here. Uh, here last week and it's a, it's a very interesting kind of thought to have which one if you kind of had to go about it because it's kind of this is kind of how it looks like it would work out for the Cowboys one way or the other so would you rather take Jalen Ramsey at four and then take Carl Joseph with your first pick in the second round or would you rather take Ezekiel Elliott at four and take uh, Derek Henry with your first pick in the second round I would I think that I would like to take the gamble on a Derrick Henry, me personally. Uh, but I just, if if uh, if all the comparisons and all the hype is really there with Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, I could see that too. Um, and maybe I'm out of line. I love Carl Joseph, so that's like, for me, it's like a pretty 50-50 thing. Yeah, I mean, the, it's been a long time since the Cowboys have had a good safety. Uh, but, I mean, what if you can get Jalen Ramsey with number four? I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty wild because he's. I don't a, know. Yeah, I, like, because a lot of people would say that he's a value pick at four, which is crazy to think about for a corner. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know. A couple, let's, I'm just kind of looking down here at some interesting things. Uh,. <laughs> The craziest thing to me is Vernon Hargraves at Florida. I feel like that kid has played eight years at Florida. He is one of those kids that I just felt like every time I've watched a Florida game over the last six years has been on the TV. Um, let's see here. Uh, another kid that I think is going to kill it is Ashawn Robinson, who is already looks like a 35-year-old man and now can play like a 35-year-old man. <laughs> too. Uh, and the other big thing, too, is is where does Robert uh, Kim Diche go because that's kind of the big wild card, I think, for a lot of people right now, is does, does somebody kind of gamble on him in the top ten? Because he's, like, talent-wise, he's definitely a top ten guy. But do you take the gamble? Because there's always, every year there's a guy like that that comes with a bunch of risks that somebody decides to dive in on, you know, 
and and really kind of surprise everybody with? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, you, I guess you could see that at the quarterback position. Yeah, and, and but the, I mean, the only other guy is Paxton Lynch, wouldn't you say? That's the only other guy that you that somebody would do that with. Yeah, I mean, I guess the 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 opposite end of that is you could see Miles Jack falling if all these you know medical, medical concerns stuff. are are legitimate. Yeah, I think you could definitely see him fall fall quite a bit. Um, and the one man that still just like it blows my mind is that uh, my man from oops, excuse me, uh, my man from Baylor, Andrew Billings, still is like kind of borderline first round. Like maybe a lot of people have him in the second round. I don't think he's even in any of these. Uh, the guys, on, I don't think any of the guys on NFL.com have him in the first round, which just baffles me because I have that kid absolutely dominated at Baylor this year and was you know tested out of the out of the water at the combine. So that is just one of those kids. I just don't get why everybody's not jumping all over him. I'm not sure either. Um, it's one of those deals where um, you uh, you look at it and, and it's just going to depend on the the team and and how how you know involved they are with that player. But I don't know. I mean, these guys have a mock draft. This guy has a mock draft. I mean, I've seen him higher on other boards, and mm-hmm. I think people forget he's still like 21 years old. So oh, yeah. uh, he's got a high ceiling. Uh, another interesting thing to me about this draft is nobody has a receiver going until 22 in the draft. Like none of these guys do. So it's, it's, it's just weird to me because I think there are a ton of really, really good receivers. So do you think that's more of a thing now where similar to the running back position, where do you think receivers are becoming to be a little bit more devalued, uh, as far as, you know, high draft picks and that kind of thing? I wouldn't say that. Uh, I wouldn't say they're devalued. I would say that uh, just depends. It's always going to depend on the team. But I don't know if this crops, this year's crop of receivers, kind of warrants some of that attention, if you will. Um, because I mean, say what you will about some of these guys. I just I know a lot of people are high on Corey Coleman, but at the end of the day. You know, is he a guy that steps in right away, or is that a player you have to develop over a few years? And and I'm just not sure because the NFL is, I mean, especially when it comes to running routes and understanding the offense, it's a lot more complex. And, and for and for an outside receiver, he's not as big as a lot of people think he is. I think he's only five eleven or six foot. Right, and that's why I say you know that that between him and Fuller and Treadwell, you know, one of them is going to definitely go in the first round. It's just I don't see. You know, I don't see teams really needing that caliber of, of wide receiver in the first round. I, I think those guys will go on a run maybe in the second, but I can definitely see why they're starting to slip a little bit because really the defensive line in this draft is very deep. And I think from 15 to the end of the first round, I mean, you're just going to see defensive linemen, defensive linemen, defensive linemen over and over again. And lots of linebackers. That's another thing, too, is there's quite a few linebackers in this draft because you think about – like you said, you got a guy, a guy like Miles Jack. You got Reg, Reg, uh, Reggie Raglan uh, from Alabama, Leonard Floyd from Georgia. Uh, anybody else I'm missing out on that I'm thinking? Of? No, I guess that's it. But but I mean, still, linebacker is another one of those positions. There's just not a ton of guys that go 
up early. Darren Lee from Ohio State's another one. Um, this also is a really good defensive backdraft as far as corners go, I think, because you see a lot of these guys uh, kind of, you know, kind of, kind of just sprinkled in throughout the first round because you have obviously you got Jalen Ramsey first and foremost. Uh, you got uh, what's his uh, Eli Apple from Ohio State's another guy that that really kind of uh, did a lot. Uh, a guy from Houston, William Jackson. So I think it's a corner draft that's also good. Artie Burns from Miami is another one. So uh, just really interesting to kind of see where this draft is. And I think more than a lot of drafts, I think a lot of these mocks are all over the place, which tells me that there's not a lot of consensus as far as who's kind of the best players and what everybody's going to kind of do. No, I agree with that. And I think that uh, I think overall, you know, it's the way they do it. It's Thursday night. You get the, that first round and then, a little bit of second round and third round and then into the weekend. Um, but again, it always depends on the team. It always depends on the need. And that's my favorite part of the draft is seeing, you know, some of the kids you don't know anything about learning their backgrounds or maybe some of the kids that are, you know, at a school where you really don't get to watch them play or follow them as closely. And so, uh, especially at the skill positions, I mean, they're going to become names, but you, you still don't know all these kids right now. And, um, I just, I mean, it's really one of my favorite events of the year is the draft. I mean, I don't love the mock part. I don't love all the buildup, but the yeah, actual draft is so, you know, so entertaining to me. Yep. I totally, totally agree with that. Um, I guess let's kind of talk to you a little about, uh, obviously, Tech, you got a couple guys that you think are going to get drafted. I think for sure, for sure, LaRaven and I think DeAndre will both get drafted. Uh, and I think, depending on who you ask, they'll kind of tell you something different. I think LaRaven, uh, I've seen several, you know, several drafts where he's kind of mid-second round, uh, late second round. I've also seen one or two where he's one of those guys that jumps up late first round, early second round. So I, I think with LaRaven, the thing that a lot of people are talking about right now is that he doesn't know a lot about a pro-style offense and playing pro-style offensive line, and, and so they consider him to be, uh, raw in that in that way, but but I think when you see a guy with measurables like that, and how he performed on a week in week out basis, you know he's a guy that that has the longest arms in the draft and has a big frame and is an athletic kid. I just think that's something that somebody t- will take a a chance on that because on top of that, he also has zero problems and is a great kid. So I think he's a kid that'll jump up and somebody will take a chance on. Who is that? Who is that again? Oh, uh, LaRaven. I I just think that I think that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, LaRaven Clark. I just think that I just think that a lot of people. It depends on who you ask because he's kind of all over the place from late first to early third as far as where he's going to go. And I just think with 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 his measurables and and how good he was for the most part in college and uh, just kind of his mental makeup and, and what he is uh, mentally too. Uh, just kind of you know a, a you know class act kid, grade A kid that was never in an ounce of trouble and his he interviewed off the charts i think with everybody he talked to uh i just think those are things that that's you just talk about raw tools again you take a kid like that in the late first or early second yeah you absolutely do i i, I don't know it's hard to tell i mean i think uh tackle is a position where uh in and, and even maybe if he projects the guard i just think there's a lot to like about LaRaven and um I, I know that there was all the comments that were made at the senior bowl and there's the stigma of the spread out tech offense, but I just think that there's, that's becoming more commonplace and, and there are definitely, uh, 
players with maybe a bit more height and 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 you know a bit more strength coming out of college. But I think if you give LaRaven some time and, and you get him the right fit, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a multiple year starter in the NFL. So um, I, I would be surprised to see him make it past three rounds. But yes, yeah, oh, no some way. some team's going to get three. a great uh, great deal on LaRaven. Yep, absolutely, and he'll be a guy that even if I think even if it doesn't work out at tackle, he'll be a guy that'll play eight nine years at guard. He will be on a roster for a decade in the NFL just because of what he's what he is and what he uh, physically is is kind of made out of, in my opinion. And uh, moving on to you know DeAndre, I think this is as far as the wild card of where a kid could go. Everybody that talks about him. As far as anything I've ever seen, just says you know why is nobody talking about you know this kid and all his production and and what he's done you know what he did as a senior and how he tested and and all these things. So I, that's just one of those things where it's like surely somebody will jump up and take a a chance on him because I I just think that he's a kid that with what he's done his production he is tailor made to be a third down back in the NFL that really really. Uh, that really, really can can do some damage for somebody, and and it just I think it just makes too much sense to not take him in the mid mid rounds as a running back. No, I agree. And in terms of you know what he can do in in those certain offenses, I, I think he compares very well to a lot of the smaller backs that that pack a punch. And those are the same type of guys. Is is even if they're not a superstar, they still end up you know with six to seven years in the league and I just think he's that kind of guy that's progressed every year and and certainly had the unfortunate injury early in his career but even in that freshman year you saw him getting better and better each week and every time he touched the ball you knew he was going to do something with it and so uh, I I remember that all the way back to his true freshman season and uh, you know it's, it's pretty cool to see how far he's come but another guy that you know, it might take him a little bit longer, but I, I do think that somebody's going to take a chance on him in the later rounds. Absolutely, I hope somebody very much does. And and everything I've kind of see projected, it like I said, it's if somebody kind of grabs him in the fourth round, maybe as kind of a surprise, or uh, fifth, sixth is kind of where he's graded out right now. But uh, I, I just think that with all he is, I think he is tailor made to be a guy like Giovanni Bernard in the NFL if he can get on in an offense similar to that. So, uh, so, so, so yeah, we'll just kind of leave it there with DeAndre. Um, and then you can, you have Jakeem and he's kind of the hot name with a lot of people as far as kind of that surprise late pick that somebody just kind of takes a flyer on him because of what he did and, and his not, not height measurables, but, uh, you know, just his physical ability and, and what he did running wise and, and just all his cone drills and all those kind of things and all how fast he is and, and just his elect, just his electricity with the ball in his hands, because you just don't find that uh, every day. And especially with a guy that I think is going to get a chance with somebody first and foremost as a kick and punt returner, and second after that, you know, as as a receiver, and, and that'll really kind of be how he kind of auditions to be a receiver for somebody. I think is as a kick and punt returner, which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that's where he's going to make his money uh, at first, and then he's going to get his opportunity to um to to get on the field you know whenever possible i think i think that that you could see him do i don't know everything from more trick plays to like you said special teams to you know actually get in there out there in the receiver role so uh it's another kid i wouldn't doubt you know it might be the free agent route but but we'll see and kind of a kid that i think similarly kind of to him is uh 
you remember Dree Archer who plays for the Steelers, who played, uh, who's a kid that they kind of do a lot of that stuff with where he's kind of, if I remember right, he's kind of their, one of their kick returners. And on top of that, they run a lot of sweeps with him and they run a lot of specialty plays with him. So you just kind of wonder if, uh, if that's just kind of the role that, that he kind of finds in the NFL. Because, because like I said, I just think that he was so electric that surely someone is going to take a chance on the talent. Absolutely. So, uh, so I think that's really it this week as far as, uh, as far as what we've got. Uh, didn't take any questions this week. Matt and I were both just kind of, uh, all over the place. So, so no questions this week, but, uh, I guess before we close this thing out, anything else you, uh, want to add, my man? Uh, no, man. Uh, just hope that the Cowboys don't screw it up and, uh, hope that we keep to see, uh, keep to, to see more of these offers going out. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so once again, thanks so much, guys. You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend.